0: We talked last week about complexity and how it is changing the way that businesses, and particularly healthcare organizations, must operate if they want to be successful. In order to position ourselves for success, we must have leaders that not only accept complexity, but that are agile and ready to change in complex environments. This is a Cook Children's podcast. Welcome to Pediatric Leadership, The New Medicine, with Dr. Justin Smith, helping physicians become innovators in medicine. Now, here's Dr. Justin Smith. Today we are talking again with Mary Yule Bean. If you didn't catch our last conversation, go to checkupnewsroom.com/pediatric-leadership for episode six. What is complexity? Understanding the answer to this question will be important to discussing how you can learn to lead through complexity. Once again, Mary is the BNSF Endowed Professor of Leadership at Texas Christian University. She teaches in the Advancing Healthcare Leadership class, which is a combined initiative between Cook Children's and TCU. Mary, thanks again for coming on. I'm really excited today to kind of further our conversation on complexity and then actually talk about some action items that providers can use to uh, help engage in a complex environment.
1: Yeah, there's so much to talk about here, so I'm looking forward to it.
0: So tell me a little bit about the differences uh, between leading and complexity, and why do you have to think differently in order to be successful in a complex environment?
1: The primary reason is because our traditional leadership models have set us up to think about efficiency and effectiveness. They were developed for the industrial age, for a time when They were building factories and bringing semi-skilled laborers into factories. And the question at that time was, how do you control these people? How do you control them to get performance and productivity? That trend continued throughout the last century. We got really, really good at authority and control. We always knew that there were formal and informal systems, but the focus became on the formal authority system. And as a result, we see in our organizations that we're very heavy on that system, on the idea of the administrative, operational, control kinds of systems systems, we're really good at it. But as we talked last week, complexity isn't predictable. It creates very different kinds of environments. And so what you need in that environment is agility or adaptability. And that's the main difference is we have to focus on adaptability rather than just the stability, efficiency, and control.
0: One of the things that stereotypically, but sometimes stereotypes have some truth to them, is that physicians aren't known for their adaptability. We tend to have pretty rigid personality types and ways that we like for our lives to sort of go. and So I think it's something that we have to be aware of, that being adaptable is something that if we're not already good at it, we need to think about how we can become better at it.
1: I think in many ways that's a fundamental aspect of human nature. There are a lot of people who don't like change, so it's not just positions, it's organizations and people in them as well, which is why we talked about complexity being so uncomfortable for so many people. But in business organizations, we've had to learn to be adaptable. We didn't have a choice. What happens is that the environmental pressures get to be so great that we have to adjust along the way. We've really experienced this tremendously in the late 80s and and early 1990s with globalization where global forces were pressuring us to have to be innovative. So... We tried to do that, but the problem is we still did it with traditional leadership models. And I was realizing in the 1990s, those traditional leadership models were not working for leadership and change environments. So we set out to do a research program thinking about how we could bring a different approach to leadership. And we used complexity and the idea of complex adaptive systems to do that.
0: This has been going on for quite a while, but I still feel like there's so much ground that needs to be made up, and perhaps there's industries that are doing better or worse on the whole. And again, I think it's another one of those things where we kind of talked about last time where you can say, oh, well, this is hard. This is frustrating. I'll just step back. But if you're an organization that gets it and can become more adaptable, become more agile, then you can set yourself up with a competitive advantage, particularly if your industry is behind the game.
1: That's right. And so we've seen that we've got highly innovative and highly adaptive industries that are really good at this. And we also know that when we look at leadership in those industries, it's fundamentally different. It doesn't have the hierarchy in the same way. Terms we were hearing at that time were things like self-management, empowerment, much more of a team environment. Uh, what we did is we set out to to use a complexity model to think about complex adaptive systems. We engaged in a, a decade-long research program where we went and we studied organizations to see what was related to adaptability. As part of that, we had a study in healthcare. So we, in the late 2000s, were looking at healthcare, six healthcare organizations across the country, and what we found from that was that despite the fact that organizations need to respond to complex complexity with adaptability. Instead, healthcare organizations were responding with order. So we called that an ordered response. And that's tremendously problematic. On the one hand, we do know that healthcare needs a bit more efficiency because I think it's missed some of the movements that happened in business. For example, the IT movement. I I still don't quite understand how that happened, but IT really didn't affect health care organizations in the same way that it did business. So a bit behind on that and some other areas that could use more efficiencies. But when you go only with an ordered response, you're not preparing your organization for the adaptability or the agility that's needed.
0: And I think what we tend to do oftentimes is we see a problem, we realize that, it's complex. And so we put together this huge team to address it. And then what ends up happening is we talk and talk and talk about the problem. And then coming to solutions is sometimes difficult, because you can't get everybody on board. And we're all busy. I think that's true for all industries, but physicians particularly feel like they're, they're really busy and it's hard to get them engaged in in affecting change at times.
1: I saw that physicians weren't included. I saw quite often nurses weren't included in these change processes. And then I saw administrators who were trying to bring in packages that would create order. So they were looking for tools that would standardize or that would create efficiency. But really what's needed is adaptability, and that comes from what we call adaptive space, Let me explain the the way that we present our model. We developed this into a complexity leadership model. And the way I describe it is in terms of systems. There are two systems in organizations. So the first system is the entrepreneurial system. And all organizations start out entrepreneurial. They're focused on learning, innovation, and growth. As they grow, they bring on an administrative or operational system. And that system's focused on efficiency and results. So it's converting ideas into something that produces numbers or performance that can keep the organization alive. Well, as soon as you have these two systems, entrepreneurial and operational or administrative, they go into tension, and so they battle it out. And whenever I ask an audience this question, which one wins in that battle, they almost always say the operational or the administrative. That's because we've taught managers and leaders The administrative system, they're really good at it. But what's missing in many cases is the entrepreneurial. So we need to have more entrepreneurial leadership.
0: And I've seen that here, uh, certainly. I mean, I come in and Dr. Nelson, who was on the third episode of our podcast and talked a little bit about the promise of Cook Children's, recognized me as what he calls one of the crazies, which I think he means as a disruptor. And he identified that, you know, sort of as a leader who is really in tune with the people who are under his management and he sort of gave me the opportunity to serve as an innovator for the system. Because of that, it's given me the flexibility and the opportunity to go and meet with IT and legal and some of the more operational leadership in our system. And I have learned a lot about how to sort of engage with an entrepreneurial mindset, but in the context of an organization that's more operational. And I think that is a skill that I never knew I would need to know. <laughs> and I think I've learned a lot about it in the last year.
1: I think it's natural to you. I think that there are some people who are entrepreneurial that just love it. They're creative, innovative in that way and can't help themselves. And I, I would kind of guess that's you. Yeah. But I think there are others who can learn it as well. The,
0: There are. And I think one of the things is even though like I knew I liked it, I had to learn the skills to do it. And so one of the best examples of that is um, we were working on um, expanding our uh, virtual visits or telemedicine offerings to our families. And, you know, I came against several roadblocks, um, whether it be sort of the technological limitations that we had at the time, the uh, legislative administrations, uh, whether it was allowed or not and in what context it would be allowed. And I ran up pretty quickly against a hard wall where it was clear that my full plan and this you know, 20-point plan that I wanted to implement wasn't going to actually work. And so what I did at that point is I stepped back and kind of looked at the wall and I tried to figure out where those holes might lie and where I could sort of fit at least the pieces of my plan that were most important to me through and I was able through just some back and forth with the various departments who were involved to find that hole. And then I think the last thing is I fortunately have, you know, an institutional champion and Dr. Nelson and our CEO, Rick Merrill. And I was able to sort of get myself up to that hole in the wall and then at the last minute say, and look, this is really important to the system as a whole that we find ways to be innovative and do new things. And that was sort of the last push that, you know, 10 point plan through the hole. And now that I'm on the backside, we're all more comfortable with what we're doing. And I think everybody, even those who were originally very nervous and very scared have realized like, this guy's not going to do something that harms the institution. He just wants to do what's best for the patient. And once we finally kind of got all on the same page with that, I mean, we're going to, I think, see huge developments in our ability to be innovative. And it just took somebody getting through that first wall so we could all understand that we're all on the same team together. Now we're all on the same side in a sense.
1: So you've perfectly described the model. So what happens in the complexity leadership model is that for an organization to be adaptive, and we want to think about it as a complex adaptive system, rather than a bureaucratic system that's ordered, efficient, stable, we want to make this the organizational system adaptive. So what has to happen is you have to have entrepreneurial ideas, and those ideas are typically originated in a local context. So it's a local environment where I'm experiencing my own pressures and problems and needs. And then I come up with an interesting way of addressing that. Well, the way for the organization to be adaptive is to then get that into the system. And so it has to go through what you described, that adaptive space, the, all the obstacles. And so when it, it starts to flow into the organization to try to create innovation, convert from a creative idea into an innovative outcome that it produces new order that makes the organization adaptive, it hits roadblocks. I tend to call that the brick wall. My colleague who does this work with me calls it the wall of resistance because he says we can't make it a brick wall, it has to have it has to be porous so that we can get through it. But when I talk with practitioners quite often I put that picture up of the of the brick wall and I say do you experience this and the hands go up all over the room because a challenge in organizations is how do we allow or enable these innovative ideas to get into the system.
0: And I think one of the best ways I've seen at least is you know, having been through a year of leadership training, as I've learned some of the language that you need to have in order to navigate those walls. Because just like you wouldn't expect our legal team to come in the room and talk to a patient about cystic fibrosis, they can expect without some training physicians to be able to come into the organizational realm and talk about the things that they need to do. It's really a vocabulary that we need to have in order to just engage. And I think that's some of what we're missing um, as physicians is we're missing that level playing field of how do we discuss these issues?
1: It's the ability to connect. So again, what we're thinking about here is how do you create the linking up? How do you create those lines, get these different pieces to connect together to create a bigger movement? The way to do that is to operate in the other person's local. But Many times we try to use our own local language and that doesn't connect with the other side. So we have to think about how the other is seeing it and frame the language and terms, concepts, or even needs that they'll understand. So what you're doing is you're linking up your need with their need, working together to make it better for everyone. And then the other key, and I think you you probably have done this as well, is you want to, if you're thinking about the organizational system, you want to link it to the overall mission. So the way to talk to administrators is to think about how I link it with the strategic mission vision of the organization. So don't talk in terms of doctor patient care necessarily. I'm not saying that's not important, but it's not going to tap into what how they operate. You want to try to frame it up in terms of how it's going to benefit the strategic vision and mission of the organization.
0: I think we've talked a lot about sort of entrepreneurial ideas, which are how, where those ideas come from. But you also mentioned something in that portion where is the other side, which is the enabling. And I think sometimes it takes someone who is more senior in the organization or understands the whole of the organization better to realize that I needed to get in a room with certain IT and certain legal people to have these conversations. And without someone up there, which for me is Dr. Nelson, sort of enabling those conversations, I could be a a guy with great ideas, but they can't go anywhere without a connection with somebody who can help me make them happen.
1: That's right. And when you and I talked, it was clear to me you were doing the entrepreneurial. That's, That's really where your passion is and where you're living. I could imagine at some point in the future you could do more enabling too, and I hope that you do that. But the other piece of it is that enabling role. And so in enabling, what you're doing is you're looking for ways you can create that linking up. So you're trying to link up entrepreneurial leaders with ideas, resources, needs, pressures that can help create something very different in the organization. And so I think that Dr. Nelson is doing that. I think he's doing it also with the, the leadership program. He's trying to create an adaptive space. An adaptive space is a place where people can engage in tensions, engage around ideas, thinking more creatively so that new ideas can come that can flow into the organization.
0: I'm really excited about the leadership class and um, sort of the future of it because I do believe it's a great place to get people with different perspectives together. Because I think once you see those different perspectives, you see what skill sets other people have. You realize um, number one, you don't have to do it on your own, and number two, often incentives align in a way that might surprise you. And so, if you can really pin down on what's important to everybody who is a player in whatever issue is involved, you can figure out what that main um, incentive is that aligns everybody. Well, everybody can kind of have their side reasons for wanting to do it, and they may be those may be very different. But if it's you know patient care is first or patient. Patient safety or um, patient satisfaction. I mean, I think clearly in healthcare, the patient generally sits at the center, and I think that's another um, important part: is that we need to have patients involved early on in whatever change we're trying to make. And it's related to complexity because if we make a change that downstream doesn't benefit the patient or isn't what the patient was looking for, well, then often it falls flat. And we have all these great ideas. Um, health apps is one of the big ones. You know, there's a thousand health apps out there. They're downloaded at huge rates. And then within a few weeks, they're not opened again. And I think we have to get everybody involved early with all the different perspectives so that we can actually affect change that's that's useful.
1: And I think what you're describing in complexity term is this fundamental idea of need. So it's about understanding that everybody has a need. There's some kind of need that's driving them, and they're not going to be the same need. So your need is not going to be the same as mine. What we want to do is connect up or link up so that we can together address that need. That's the the real key. And I think in organizations, what happens is we have too many silos. We have too many obstacles. We have these brick walls. We have things that impede. We have managers who are really good at saying no. We have conflict and people not able to communicate across conflict. So as soon as conflict starts to surface, rather than engaging in it and having a conversation, what we do is we back off we back off and we avoid. And in avoiding the conflict, we're not really capitalizing on the benefit that it can offer.
0: As we wrap up here, I think a couple of things that are important just in conclusion. As far as leading through complexity, one of the big um, tenets is being agile, being adaptable. And so I challenge the the listeners to think about ways that they could set up their organization or that they could um, build spaces where they can exercise adaptability. And to think about that in terms of two uh, main functions inside of that, which would be entrepreneurial and enabling. And I I, I want you to think about how you could maybe get an idea and get it to the right person, get the right people involved, or how you may know two people who need to get involved and you could plug those two people together. Um, So think about those things Um, this week. We're gonna talk about. Um, next time about power and how you can exercise power. And of course that factors into everything and and power is not a dirty word. So we'll talk more about that next week, but why don't you go ahead and close this out, Mary, and then we'll, um, we'll come back next week.
1: I think that the key is for people to start tapping into their entrepreneurial spirit if they have it. So if you're one of those who knows how to be entrepreneurial, find some other people who are doing it and just so you have a support system. So they can help you because one of the things you need is tenacity. If you run up against an obstacle, you can't give up. The other thing you have to do is find a sponsor, and that's an enabling leader. The other piece I would say, and I we've talked about it, Justin, but I'm not sure if it's there enough in, in this particular organization, is the enabling piece. And I think there's a real opportunity for people to develop more enabling leadership skills. That means you're looking for ways you can link people up. You can make connections across boundaries. You can think about opportunities being created by complexity, where if you put some people together with some resources, they can drive change that will help position you. But ultimately, you don't know what direction it's going to go in. So you can try to influence it. And in the short term, it's predictable and you can influence. But in the longer term, what you need to do is create agility or adaptability so that whatever direction it goes, you can flex to try to pivot to that direction. And that's that's a challenge, but it's possible to do.
0: All right, guys, you've heard it. So you take the challenge, uh, think about those things this week, and then we'll come back next week and talk about power.
1: You can find more episodes, or if you'd like to suggest a segment, go to checkupnewsroom.com slash pediatric leadership.